So feel free to experiment, change it up, try something new. Don't be afraid to create something that you enjoy because that's what your platform's for. Okay, what's up, y'all? Today we're talking to Oliver Wright. I've been checking out Oliver's uh, videos on YouTube a lot. He does a lot of good tutorials and tech reviews and uh, just a bunch of fun videos. So, Oliver, welcome. Make me blush. <laughs> thank you very much and thank you for having me. <laughs> cool, man. So, um, so catch me up. I, mean, I just kind of wanted to get your background on how you started making, making these videos and yeah, what kept you sure. motivated to keep doing them. It, it came from uh, wanting to blog daily. Uh, so I blogged daily for about six or eight months. This is a long, like a few years back now, probably like four, five, six years back. Um, and then I got to a position where I was living in the States at the time and my visa ran out. An employer I was working with had agreed to extend my visa so I could continue working for them. And they hit a massive down point. So they just, they said, all right, thanks. See you later. So I had about two weeks left before my visa ran out and I'm not about to stay in this country illegally. So I had to go back home um, and obviously look for another job. And then I worked at home for a little bit and I wanted to do more than just blogging. Not that there's anything wrong with blogging by any means, but I started then doing vlogging, uh, getting into that was really my first taste of editing. And I was doing that on a daily basis, which on top of a full time job, and my fiance being out here. So, you know, speaking with her every night as well. Living with my parents, that was just, I look back on it now and I think that's madness to be putting that much time in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's you know, a couple of hours filming every day, a couple of hours editing every night. You know, on that real uh, Casey Neistat type of juice, you know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really to... get how he was doing that for so long. You know, I know, it must have just... killed him inside. It takes a lot, dude, to just do like a full day's work into a vlog and then to I mean, I don't know. I don't know how. And then to edit was so, so, so what, 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 was, what was that like for you when you were doing that? Um, and you, you were doing every day? Yeah, yeah, which weekends too. Uh, I was playing football like two, three times a week as well. Yeah. Um, it was, when I think back to it now, I think, what on earth was I doing? And I, I don't know, I somehow managed to fit everything, going out with friends, spending time with my parents, etc. Because I've been living over here in college and then worked for a year. So I'd been away from my family for five years. Um, but it was it was a crazy process. But then once that all it came to a point of working back home, getting my green card to be able to come back over to the States or rather getting a fiance visa. I was then in a position where I couldn't work for 11 months. Like legally just could not work. So it was like, how, how can I make money legally, but that's, you know, all online, entirely online. So from that point, I started creating digital products. Um, so like editing digital products that I could sell and then started ramping up the YouTube tutorials, which at the time were doing, they seemed to be doing quite well. And I was really enjoying it, getting a lot of videos out. The production quality was way down i didn't have the money to spend on you know really good equipment audio equipment video equipment but i had the time to be able to invest into creating these digital products um so i kind of kept myself afloat from there and then i started to get into this mindset of multiple streams of income how can i turn this into more of a long-term business um fast forward three or four years and while youtube may be struggling TikTok seems like a really good platform for me at the moment. That seems to have, have been a lot more fruitful. 
Um, but being able to be creative and just create whatever you want to create, put into content that people can then consume and either learn from or enjoy, or perhaps even both, is, is has been the goal, really. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I like that, combining it, making it both. Yeah, right. I think that's, yeah, that's, how can what, you, that's the dream, right? A, exactly, and then yeah. to be able to put that into a place where that gives you the freedom to do whatever you want. I mean, with my wife and dog here and then all my family back home in England, and I want to travel, working in nine to five, albeit I enjoy what I do there, just doesn't give you that flexibility to go and travel whenever you want to, whenever you need to. So being able to take what people consider as social media now and you know, turn that into a, a, a business is the goal and um, it's a slow progression, but, but we might be slowly making it. <laughs> so when, when, do you, when do you feel like that started to, you notice like it started to actually work? Or are you seeing some progress um, with it? I, I'm not sure there was a specific point, but you, I mean, you would have it, it. I mean, it's obviously awesome when you have companies or brands wanting to give you free products to create videos on. But now that I've done that for so long, I have so many products that I now I've got companies approaching asking to do more reviews on those products. But it now has to be monetized because I have those products. What's the point of me having more of them? Um, so it's now being able to charge for those videos um, and having a portfolio to be able to show them the value that you can create for a brand. Um, and I also really, I think one of the biggest revenue generators I had recently was I had another YouTube channel connect with me asking if I'd create some Final Cut Pro tutorials for them to go on their channel. And now that's a, I think at the time they were about 160K. Um, so the contract you know, I, I got all the work done for them, but where it started was you had a lot of creative freedom. It quickly, or I quickly realized it was more of a create a script, we'll adjust the script to match exactly what we want, and then you do what's on the script, word for word. Right. Um, which, I mean, it, you know, it makes the money. It's it's a good source of revenue. Creating videos for brands for other channels is is, is as I've realized, is quite lucrative. Um. But it's it's being able to work with brands that give you that creative freedom. I think makes you want to keep doing it, uh, to to be creative, try out new things. What about for you in in your world? Do you get to do you get to be creative in the type of shots you get and the work you do and how you work, or is it quite rigid? Yeah, I, I would say we do. I mean, I think the creativity. Um is confined to the the deadline the time limit you okay know? so yeah. i mean as long as it gets done in in a time that we needs to get done in then i think it's yeah it's fine you know but and um, i imagine timelines are pretty hard, hard well so hard. i guess i mean the time the time the timeline is normally like you know on the day especially if it's like yeah uh like a breaking news like a hong kong story the protests when they were i mean even for that, now it's starting up again there, and it's weird this with this COVID nineteen. No one's even traveling, you know. So we're not, we can't get on the plane and go there right now, because then we can't mm -hmm. come back to Thailand. So, so this is a whole right. other part of how this is kind of changing our our life and the way we work right now. But that's that's only our team. Yeah. There's other teams that take care of that. But yeah, 
it, it's on the day or, you know, on the week in terms of how, sure. how, how long we have to turn it around. But uh, yeah, I would say that, you know, we, we work in a team, so it's like myself, a reporter and a producer normally. And we all, um, I mean, we've all been working together for years now. So we kind of like already know where, where we're going. But yep. um, outside of that, there's no um, like direction given to us, you know. We, we pitch, say, so, here's but, our story, and then we're just going to do it, and that's it. I see. So when a project hits, are you guys full-time from the moment you receive that project to the moment that it, it gets broadcasded, or I guess I mean, like, for, from... definitely for something like the protests in Hong Kong or, you know, we were out in Australia for the fires. It's like as soon as you hit the ground, yeah, you're going. And then, you know, you edit, and then the next morning you're out filming again, and then you edit, and it's kind of it's like that yeah. yeah so how do you how do you deal with the pressure of knowing that you have to get the right shot you i mean you you don't have long to get the right shot it may just be one opportunity to get the right shot and if you don't well, yeah. what happens then well I, th I think i got uh i mean you have to ask uh, the report i work with jonathan i think he kicked my ass so much in the first couple of years <laughs> you know what i mean i and i think uh you know there were definitely some um uh, cracking whips you know to i bet that has yeah, to be. it's like a you know a steep learning curve and i think now it's just like kind of i mean the way we talk about it, it's kind of like editing editing in in your head so i already kind yeah. of know like what's there what i have what's missing to make sure that it's going right. to flow because that, that's something that's that's great about you know being a, an editor being a good editor right as you know, too, like, you know, on the timeline, you know, what kind of shots you're going to need, you know, it's going to work. So it makes your shooting better. Yep. How do you? Yeah, because you need right. to envision what you're looking for. Yeah. So do you use a shot list then? Or do you just? No, you I mean, so sometimes wait. like uh, if we're doing more like feature stories, that's like a, maybe like one main character that's going to lead through the story. Like we did one on a um, Thai boxing and children in Thai in Muay Thai. Okay. And I already had like already a couple of shots that I knew I wanted to get, but maybe not like a yeah. shot list, but maybe just like an idea board. And then I can, I would like work around that in the edit, but yeah. Yeah. I see. And, you, and your stuff, is it you normally script or shot list stuff? Um, I went through, I never used to script anything out, but then I went through a phase of, of shot listing absolutely everything to try and pull as much information as I can because I really try to shoot for the edit. Not necessarily from a time, a time constraint perspective, but how can I create creative transitions? Um, not just slapping on a transition, but how can I make one shot lead into the another from a seamless perspective? Yeah. And I found that one of the easier ways to do that was to plan out a shot list in the in the to begin with because you want to look at how your shot's leading in the main content of that shot and then obviously how it's leading out and how that translates into the next shot and out of the previous shot so but then i found that i'm not sure if I'm, I'm sure many other people resonate or at least i hope that many other people resonate with this in that it's so easy to stifle your own creativity or your ability to shoot because you want things to be perfect mm. and you think to yourself you know i can't i'm not ready to go and shoot that bit yet or i'm not ready to go yeah. and shoot this whole portion because i don't 
I don't have this whole plan figured but what, out. Why, why not? Like, what do you mean? You're not ready in terms of like um, what the full piece is or what the the camera and the exactly that, yeah. needs to be or what? Uh, and it can be any of those, really. It can be the whole entirety. So I'm trying to think of an example right now. But let's say I so I just actually this morning um, a company sent me this. This is the, the Femi Palm. Not that this is a product-related post, but um, they sent me this and asked me to do a review. And I've had a, a script written for the YouTube video for a long time, and then obviously need to adjust that based on my experience having shot with it. Um, but I had a good idea of, of things that I'd be able to shoot just inside here. But then I wanted to position the video for this as people looking to go travel to Thailand or Hong Kong that don't have anything to do with filmmaking and just want a camera that they can capture cool, just the surroundings without having to think too much about it. So then what stops me from actually being able to make that YouTube video is being able to take that to a place that matches what I have in my mind or how I would like to pose it as a product and you know, sure. who I'm targeting. Yeah. Um, and one of the additional things you know, could be how am I leading one piece of B-roll into the next? But in this case, I, I thought, you know, let's, people who I'm targeting this video toward, they're not looking for that. They may not be looking for that kind of creativity. They're looking for test footage. Why is it a good camera? Is it a good camera? What are my other competitors that I could be looking at? And how do those, you know, match together? Um, so yeah, wanting to have things perfect is, is such a, can really stifle the ability to actually start. So I, I find I, no, definitely. I mean, I was actually just um, thinking about this with with another friend of mine that like the the greatest like thief of creativity is like the thought process. For sure, you know, yeah, and 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 that's definitely something I'm trying to get out of these. It's just like I I don't want to think too much about it. I, this is not this is for me like my creativity slash recreation even though like i work in cameras and film like this is just what i want to just you know, this is you this is fun to me yeah this is just fun and it's and i don't want to work too hard on it i you know we, we work hard at work and i want to just let this be creativity and that's it and yep. so no no thought process no script and no editing and just let it go that's kind of i think that's i i genuinely think that's a really good place and more people need to hear that too because they they people wanting to get into filming or youtube or anything like that they see these big channels with high production value how, how do you get there how did somebody get there exactly and they you just, see right they, yeah they worked from the from the beginning up they started the same way you and i have started and you're saying i just want to do it basic do i really enjoy it how am i you know if i want to ramp it up i can and it was the same for me. How do I start cheap? How do I see if I enjoy it? How do I get content out there? It's a pretty daunting place to start trying to upload content. I mean, when you see things like all these travel videos from the likes of, you know, Sam Calder, Matt Como, et cetera, yeah. Ben TK, yeah. just incredible stuff. And it must be daunting for all these kids with just their iPhone or something, thinking that they, they want to be there, but they have no idea how and they think, I can't get there with just an iPhone. 
Sure, even though actually I think with an iPhone, it's they're pretty good images right now. I mean, the new the new one is pretty impressive. My brother had it, and I was like pretty blown away on the last vacation we went on. They're, I, I, I can't believe how good they are. Yeah. Low light, they're, I'd say they're pretty terrible for video, okay. but yeah. if you're shooting outside or if you've got a pretty decent light, I think they're awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think people just need to, whenever I see people commenting or commenting on my stuff, asking what camera they should get, and they're thinking something like an A7 III or mm. a Canon EOS R, you know, thousands of dollars, I'm thinking, look, if you're, if you're starting out, how do you know you even like filmmaking? How do you know you even like editing? Nice. What's like? What's the least amount you can spend to validate your assumption that you're going to like filmmaking or editing? So yeah, you're right. But so yeah, so what, what, what do you, what do you tell them in that case? Uh, what's what's them, the go-to? If you if you've, if you've got a smartphone, try it with that. If you've got a GoPro, yeah. try it with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even you know something like this. It this isn't something that's going to fit in my camera bag I just based on where I'm at with filmmaking I want I want more quality I want more control over what I'm shooting um, but for so many people who don't yet have the experience of how do you what is ISO what is shutter speed all this kind of stuff they just want to be able to pick up press record and go I think I always tell them shoot, like start with a, a smartphone or something that you already have and how can you do you enjoy doing it? Because the editing process is, is definitely not for everyone. Very true. Nice. Like if I'll yeah. sit with my wife and she's like watch me edit for a little bit and she's just bored yeah, yeah, after course. just a yeah, few yeah. minutes. Cause whereas sure. I'm like, I, I love it just being able to cut things up, yeah. add effects, etc. Yeah. So yeah, different people's minds the way they work. So you were talking before also about um, like the... Uh, the difference between YouTube and TikTok, and I guess now you were saying that now you're moving more over there. So what? I mean, I don't actually even know that that world too much. The world of TikTok. So, you know, <laughs> I in, indulge me, dude. What is what does that mean? What is it? Um. So yeah, I was in the same boat about a month ago. Uh, I didn't hadn't even downloaded TikTok by that time. Yeah. Um, but I knew it was kind of like. Do you remember Vine? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, my, yes. my, my wife watches TikTok, so I, I have okay. my, my nightly dose of TikTok videos. Right, you hear so all I, the I have, music. I have some idea. There we go. <laughs> That's exactly the same for me. I get into bed and the wife's hey. like spending hours on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's more, it's obviously, as you know, but it's short form content hmm. for, you know, filmed on a smartphone, so it's all vertical. Um, and I found that being able to create these YouTube videos, they take, I'd spend like an hour, maybe two hours planning out my script for the shoot and then setting up for the shoot, making sure the light's in the right place, manual focus, this, that, and the other, and then making sure I have the footage, the B-roll to go on top of the video, being able to record that. And then yeah, the whole process I'd say takes maybe let's say eight hours, day, day and a half of everything in, included. But, TikTok, I could create in. I could, I could create them in two minutes. I could create them in an hour, and I could also create them in five hours. You know, but it's that flexibility that, and the the way the algorithm works is designed for good content to get shown to the audiences. And I know, I know YouTube. Hmm. You know, people talk on YouTube about how YouTube is all about watch time and click through rate. But I, 
not to to talk about my own content in a way that feels like I'm being done wrong. Obviously, my content isn't matching what the algorithm's looking for or what people are looking for. But when I look at accounts that are doing very well and being recommended to a ton of people in the same industry, and they share that their their statistics, their analytics, and mine are in fact actually better. Uh, I just not my content just isn't being pushed to the to more audiences. It, it seems to stop at some small number. So I thought to myself, this for now, this is just isn't working for me. I'll continue uploading, but I want to do more product related reviews. Those are those seem to be getting better view counts because people are searching for them. Mm. So these kind of product reviews, I've been more on that recently as opposed to editing tutorials because I found that while they may not do very well in the first few weeks, over time they'll start to pick up and they'll start to rank higher in the search rankings. Um, so I've got videos that I've posted eight, six, four months ago that are now my top, like some of my top videos. But TikTok, on the other hand, is I think I'm currently at about 20, almost 27,000 subscribers, which we're at about 7,000 subscribers on YouTube, and I've been doing that for six years. So well, <laughs> you can't imagine yeah. what it's like yeah. to have grown like that on TikTok. But that short form content, mm -hmm. like quick, snappy, multiple angles. Um, and then I also I try and increase the production value by bringing it into Final Cut Pro and doing a little bit of color grading, making my colors you, you look unique, adding a lot, etc. Um, and those seem to be doing really well keeping it short so i'm now trying to think how do i translate that type of short form content over to youtube to increase analytics there but it's a uh, trying to understand algorithms is not a fun game right well it seems like you got it working on tiktok though uh somehow or yeah, some, yeah somehow so what kind I'm, of stuff what sure kind of stuff you're doing there i hadn't seen your tiktok so i hadn't uh no, no, yeah no, i I'll have to, I'm going to get you a subscribe right now, man. I'll give you one more. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, well, you, uh, do, you do the same kind of stuff there? Is it still like um, editing or is it more fun or what? It's. I think it's more fun related. I'm still doing it around filmmaking. Yeah. Um, initially, I wanted to start doing just filmmaking memes and just turn them into kind of real life skits. Yeah. And while those do well every now and again, I, I also wanted to do some creative video and photo type stuff. So... You've got a mixture on there of, like, yesterday the, we bought a little kiddie pool for our dog, took that pool outside, filled it with water, and then just on iPhone slow mo, just shot a you know a couple of shots and stitched those into a quick edit. And the quality, like you said, is amazing for nice. yeah. just shooting on a on an iPhone. Yeah. As that, there's other videos of, like an Insta 360, you know, like 360 cameras. I just made a like a kind of creative video of, of pulling that off my desk, taking it outside and just seeing the kind of shot that I could get. Um, and various videos do well. There's no, there's no telling what video will do really well, uh, what video will do pretty poorly. Sure. I mean, I've got, yeah. I think I've got one video at about almost one and a half million views. Another one of, uh, I think that's about 900,000 views. And the rest maybe around a thousand or a couple of hundred thousand seems like a crazy platform um, and a great place to grow and then translate that follower base over to Instagram, over to YouTube. Um, yeah. And I think 
as brands want to work with people, they want to see that you have a following across multiple social medias, not necessarily to have their brand branded across those pla- all those platforms at once, but it shows that yeah. you, you have more of a validity, validity across different platforms. And, and so when you see this uh, video go up to like 1 million or the other one that's at 900,000, did you know already like, okay, this one's going to be good. And then it's, or is it the opposite? Like you thought the one that's the best is like the one that's got a thousand views and this one that you thought was going to be whatever, it's got a million. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair <laughs> question. There's, there's, there's no telling. Like it's, yeah, it's exactly. so strange. Like the, the one that's got like 1.3 or 1.4 million views, I did while I was on a conference call for work. Um, and I did that in about 20 minutes. And to me, it, you know, the, the ending of that video is pretty cool. But I did another one of those with a brand new drone that just came out. And people seem to you know, go crazy for drones as opposed to what was in this other video. And that one did nowhere near as well. And then you have other videos that have an extremely high like to view ratio based on all, what averages are. It just doesn't seem to be pushed like the the one of the dog jumping in the kiddie pool i would stay and watch that video um and the people commenting on it and the people liking the video i mean that's it's got what's you know in this case it's got like 20 percent likes to the view ratio which is almost unheard of you'd say that a high yeah. Yeah. point is 10 percent likes to views uh, but that video just doesn't seem to be to done hasn't seemed to do very well yet but um yeah, no, there's like no telling of what works well. And that's the struggle with social media. Sure, sure. So what's what's the um, like, what's the end goal? What's the yeah, what's the goal for, for all? Yeah, this? so there's definitely there's definitely an end goal. Um, and it's just slowly moving toward that. So I want to be in a place where I'm. So like I said, I do enjoy my job. I love what I do full time. So I'm an IT project manager uh, here in Kansas City having previously been a software developer, but that, as much as I love that, that still puts me in a place of being tied down to one place. I want the freedom to be able to go travel anywhere I want to, to be able to visit home when I want to, see friends, I want to be able to, you know, someone suggests something or I see something online, I want to go and do that. But being in a nine to five is obviously restricting in that sense. So getting social media to a place like my social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, to a place that I can earn revenue or generate revenue from wherever I am in the world, whether that be through affiliate marketing, digital products, AdSense, brand deals, um, that's that's the end goal. But I feel like there's this, you may, I don't know how much time you spend on social media, uh, but you have all these big creators that got, you know, they may make very good content, but they also got lucky, right place, right time. Mm. And telling these younger kids that they need to, they need to 100% pursue their dream. To me, it's just a crazy concept. Like, yeah, is, is, you, is, is that based in reality for you or not? Ex- exactly. Like you, you have your experience. You mm. maybe you don't realize that you got lucky. You just happen to hit all the right things at the right time. And there may be a ton of work behind it for those people who've gotten themselves to that place. Sure. But that doesn't seem to be visible. And all these kids thinking that they can, like they don't, I'm not saying that 
that university or college is the next step for everyone. They think I don't need university. I don't need a nine to five. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna take up filmmaking full time. I'm gonna start streaming gaming full time. Yeah. And then you know, they they expect this, what they think is a reality that they will grow and they will get to a place where they can buy themselves a Tesla or buy themselves their dream home in LA. Um, and I think for me as a creator, if I were to ever get to a place that people would look at me and think I want what this guy's got, um, I want to make sure that I'm clear in telling people and explaining how I got to this place or explaining that you need to make these smart decisions. You need to, it takes time, it takes experience to get to where you want to be. And very, very infrequently does it just happen for you like that and get you to the right place, which I think a lot of people expect. So yeah. I think there's a lot that rests on the shoulders of these big influencers. Definitely. Very, very cool, man. It's, it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear that, you know, and I think because um, one of the questions I like to ask is like a um, piece of advice for people who are just starting out. And, and that's good and, <laughs> Don't and, and, your day and, job. <laughs> and good, good and sober advice, you know. Um, yeah, I think they need to they need to hear that. I think they need to know that it's not all rainbows and flowers. Like, how, how are you going to pay for yourself? How are you going to pay for rent? How are you going to pay for your gear? Yeah. If you're expecting, you know, you can't just expect mum and dad to buy you a camera, leave home, and then it all works out tickety boo. It might, it might not. You know, I mean, I was talking to another friend of mine about this, and he was saying it's like, um, you know, it's like being a musician or an artist. You know, in that sense everybody's struggling there's a lot of creatives a lot of people creating right. stuff especially right now i mean look there's the uh what, what's the number for youtube it's every minute there's 400 hours of video uploaded every minute it's a madness lot. it's a lot of information so I, I, how do you sift through all of that how do you right. how does your content get to the right people how i mean if yeah if i mean just with youtube if you and it works with any this I'll get onto a question for you actually on a on news articles, but everything is based around that click through rate. If your thumbnail or yeah, your what, what, what's the, what does click through rate mean? Because I've seen that okay. come up now that I've been posting it. So I okay, yeah. It. So click through rate is so you take it from impressions. So let's say you're on your YouTube watch page or the home page, and you see forty tiles for different people's videos. So in their analytics, they will now see that as an impression because you have seen their thumbnail or their title to their to their video. So let's say for every thousand people that see their thumbnail for their video, a hundred people click on that video. Okay. That would give them a click-through rate of 10%. Got it, yeah. Um, so a, a good click-through rate on YouTube is between four and 8%, they say. Um, but that's, so that's what click-through rate is. So if, if your thumbnail and your title aren't very good and people aren't clicking through to your video, it doesn't matter how good your content is because it's when YouTube matches that click-through rate with the what average watch time of that video, you may have, you know, for the few people that do click on your video, you may have a very high watch time percentage. But if, you know, people aren't wanting to click on that video, there's no point in YouTube pushing that content to more people. Right. So, yeah, thumbnails are incredibly important, unfortunately, mm. because you, you spend all this time working on a video and then you get to the end of it, all you want to do is post it. 
That's hilarious. But when it hit me a few years ago that it's exactly the same with news. Mm. Like you have to have a good thumbnail or a good title mm. for people to want to read that article and especially to read that article from the BBC or from the Washington Post or wherever. Very interesting. Is that something that you guys have to think about or is that a completely different department? So that that's a different department. That's mostly for our, our online. Um, I mean, for us, we do a lot for TV. So, I mean, maybe that would be okay. the cue, which the presenter or the newsreader would uh, read as an introduction to the piece. But, right. I mean, maybe in the same sense, like, that's, like, our, like, why our first shots have to be the best, you know what I mean? Like, so that it gets you in. Yep. It's the same thing in a way, actually, right? You yeah, know, You want exactly that first thing to be, like, a, this needs to, like, kick ass in the first few shots so that people aren't going to, like, change the channel, right? And we want to... And that's not only for viewers, that's also for the editors to know that this is a good piece and be more helpful in commi commissioning the next piece, right? Um, I'm. Yeah, that is interesting, yeah. So in your process, um, this goes a little bit deeper into your process. So sure. I imagine a lot of your stuff is shot chronologically, mm. but when you're getting, when you're trying to get those really interesting shots, are you shooting those as soon as you get out there or is it just is it often by chance that you get this awesome shot or this yeah. really good shot like midway through yeah i mean i'm I'm always i'm always looking for it and I, it's always like i'm always a little bit stressed or tense or maybe not anymore but i used to be until i know that i'm like okay okay i got that now i can kind of <laughs> chill out a little yeah. bit and, and get the rest but um i mean we just filmed something at this um this area, it's a more low-income area in Thailand, and they were giving uh, COVID-19 tests just to make sure that they haven't, like, you know, missed any numbers or something. And I hadn't, like, I had, like, shots for all the middle and everything else, but I wanted, like, one nice establishing shot, and I knew that, like, there was too much going on, so I just waited till, like, the end. But I knew that I knew I already knew what it was going to be. But in that sense, it wasn't chronological. I already knew where it was going to be, and I just waited till things have calmed down and I got the rest that I needed, and then I could like set up for something establishing, which became the the opening shot, which was like from a drone perspective, way up in the temple, and you know, and all the people gathering for the test. So I think crazy uh, shot. I, th I think it, I think it changes like in that in that sense of what uh, okay. if it's chronological or not. And then in your process, do, so you don't, so your team, you and your team don't do the editing. You send that off to an editing team. Is so that what I, I had. I, I edit. I edit oh, okay. Here. So, um, okay. but we work. Um, I mean, sometimes we'll talk about it. You know, myself and I work a lot with Jonathan Head. He's the correspondent I work with the most. And you know, either sometimes we'll talk about it, or I'll say, hey, like, we kind of already know where the story is going, beginning, middle, end. But maybe there's like a sequence that I've already kind of cut a bit for the story recently and I said hey I really like the way these shots line up the rest like you know he'll he'll write a script and and voice it yeah but for that like I like that sequence so let's try to write the script around that so sometimes I we see. do that too but it, it's a mix I mean we've been working together for almost six years so we kind of like both know each other's workflow 
really well right now. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's huge for you guys to be able to work together like that. I think it makes, I think um, it, makes it faster, yeah. That's good. Um, so when you're... Do you, okay, do you ever find yourself in a position where you're given the project goal and you have a deadline to meet and then the deadline gets shortened? Hmm. And does, does that come in? I mean, I'm... I, so I think about this from a project management perspective, but I'm wondering if you guys have that situation or how you deal with it. Uh, you know, it, it, I was going to say no, it, has, it doesn't happen because everything is on like the bulletin schedule, like the six o'clock news, 10 o'clock news. But then actually there was, um, there was one time for a story we were doing in Hong Kong and it was like, okay, um, get it ready for 8 p.m. local. And it was like, it's for the, for the one in the UK, but it was 8 p.m. In, in Hong Kong, I think. Oh, okay, no problem. You know, that's, that's like, it was three hours for the idea. I was like, okay, that's no problem. So, you know, we're, we're driving back to the hotel and then they're like, okay, no, 7 p.m. And we're like, oh, that's like pretty tight. Okay, let's go. That's, that's you know, and, and so like, it's been like that before where it's like, okay, two hour edit. And that was, yeah, you know, like your, your speed, speed editing. So how do you deal with that uh, from a project management perspective? And something I also employ to my edits as well is you've got your know, scope. So you've got all your footage. Do you take out some of the footage? Do you reduce some of the quality that of how you would normally edit? Or do you say you need more time? Like which of those, like, how do you well, deal with that? Do you just t time is time is not available in this case. So yep. I think I go for uh I don't know. I mean, I think there's like a bit of like adrenaline that kicks in too. Okay. In, on those kind of edits. So you're uh, able to like assimilate the information quicker to be able to edit maybe, faster. Maybe. Think? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, and then actually like, so that will go out and then maybe for like the next hour I can like refine some audio and that kind of thing, you know? But, um, I think, I think for for those those edits, I mean, because it's like everything that's already been shot on the day, like if it was a protest in Hong Kong, I already kind of you kind of already build it up in your head the whole time yeah. while you're editing. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So you know you know what you're going to do with your when you edit. Most of the time. I mean sometimes there are these I don't know, every once in a while there's a really painful edit. You know what I mean? There's there's an edit where like you know, there was one and that this it was the same one that was had that that opening shot of that temple actually the uh the whole like first sequence the whole first 30 seconds i mean i couldn't i couldn't even i edited it so many times i couldn't see it anymore and it was driving me crazy i just couldn't even like i knew it looked terrible and at that point i just didn't even know why i mean luckily we weren't on like a crazy deadline we already knew when we were going to put it out but maybe that was a problem because i had like a whole day just looking at this same 20 seconds being like, it, it looks like crap, but I don't know why. Finally, like it comes you together, you know what I mean? It is. But I, I think that there's yeah. something about like, um, you know, like uh, di diamonds are made under pressure. So you need like a deadlines and a pressure. There's always, Yeah. I feel like there's, there, I think there's like a, like a uh, scientific or psychological term for it, the way your brain works, that there's always enough time to get the work done that's so that's why people procrastinate because so it's mm. just the deadline to that is needed to make to make something 
other than that, yeah. this, if there's no deadline, you, you could do the same thing in a month, a year, or a day. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that people learn over time as they learn what you know of any piece of work they they start to better understand how much that's actually going to take them, and that's why they procrastinate up to a point. Like I've got my master's essay that's due in two months, and I'm nowhere close right. to where I need yeah. to be right how now. Much, how much have you done of it? You know, and you'll probably do it all like uh, last, you'll do it all the last week or something, you know? Exactly. You yeah. So, and but that's a, that's a very good point in that I think people do, there is, that's, I mean, in, in high school and in college where people, they procrastinate for so long and they end up not turning in assignments and part of it is just they could never be bothered to do it. And the other part is that they just don't know, they didn't know how long it was gonna take them. They thought they left themselves enough time, but in reality hadn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think over time we just get better at time management. Yeah, yeah. Cause, cause yeah, so, that, that is the other uh, side you don't wanna be in when you're not hitting. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah, that's, yeah, if you're yeah, coming across as unreliable, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a terrible spot to be in. Yeah, that can't happen. So this drone shot you were getting, uh, take it are you, from what you were saying, you're the drone pilot as well? Here, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, I'm gonna ask you first about the licensing process. Yeah. Out there, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, we have to take a, uh, like a piloting course. Yeah. Um, specific to the drone and have the insurance on it and then you can fly in certain areas and it's restricted similar to the way it is in the UK and the US. Yeah. But, but I think I was reading somewhere, is it true that they're making it like so similar to an actual piloting, like plane pilot license or something? Because there's so, so many ours, drones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so ours in the States here was the same test that you'd have to, so it's a part 107 test that you'd have to also take for like actual for a plane, flight right? piloting. So it was a ton of That's studying That's kind of crazy. It. Wow. It, That's pretty awesome yeah, though, actually, in a way. Yeah, it is. It's it's really cool to. to uh, and I was um, so I recently bought the Mavic Air two, mm. and I I forgot to purchase protection at the same time for it. Mm. So and obviously I'd have it for more than forty eight hours, and I turned it on. And for DJI to be able to purchase protection plan after forty eight hours of having turned it on. Um, you have to go through this whole, you have to send DJI a video of it all functioning properly, etc. So I took it out to this park up the road um, just to test out a few things before I did the full test. And this lady drove past me and said, this is a, this is a no-fly zone, you know that, right? And then in my head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I've been a, a licensed pilot for three years now. Mm. And can you just leave me alone? Yeah. Uh, it's those type of people that I... It's that harsh line between people that have no idea what they're doing with drones and fly them, you know, over houses, roads, close to people, and then you have those people that are just—they have this rock on for just. I'm licensed for a drone. Everyone else has to be. I'm perfect with a drone. Everyone else has to be too. And I think there are times just like just mind your own business. Like it's really not your business to have to deal with. Do, do you think this this person was a, a drone pilot also? Um, I, I think it's big in the drone community. I mean, you, you've seen so many new laws imposed across so many different mm. countries. I mean, trying to fly a drone in calendar now is it's so difficult. Right. Um, and I, I, 
it's having my first drone was the Mavic Pro when that first came out and that was three four years ago um and looking at fly zones how they've just grown and grown like sorry no fly zones how they've grown and grown and grown i get it from a safety perspective um i also you know i haven't read too much in depth about it but it's possible there may be so many restriction restrictions imposed because there are so many people complaining mm. and you know, you know there are people out there who just want to complain that they want to, they want things done their way. I think there are good rules in place sure, to protect sure. people, yeah, yeah. structures, things. Um, it's not like I'm going to be complaining to the to the world that I think drone rules are ridiculous. I think they're in place for a reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just frustrating when you have people telling you what to do when you know. <laughs> you're in a place where you know what you're doing sure. having been through all that sure. licensing yeah and i'm sure do you have when you're flying a drone do you have a lot of people come stand by you um or, yeah and like normally like stuff. kids and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah but um and and that's fine except like if you're trying to like use a drone if they're i don't know if you, if they were like playing football or something like that and that would have been like nice in the distance and yeah they're all just like oh the drone, you know. So, yeah, I don't like know. guys, play along with it. Play along with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but, you know. And is know. that a part of your business? Whether that's just drone flying or you know, with your cameras and things, do you find people? Um, they. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. They they want to be a part of it, or they're. I mean, there's always people. There's always people who like, yeah, they. they I mean, I mean, the the worst thing that sometimes happens is like if we're filming something that's like a, either a live or, like a rant or piece of camera. Yeah. And there are people who. Like, want to have a conversation just then. It's like, no, dude. Like, wait, you, wait five minutes. What's going you know? through your head? Yeah, Seriously. just, just, yeah, wait, wait, you know. But um. I don't know. People are just interested, you know. They, it's it's an interesting thing to think about too, like the reaction to cameras. You know, some people are are also the opposite. Some people are like adversive to it. They don't want to be around the camera too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we get both. Do both you reactions. Find, Yeah. Do you uh, interview civilians much? All the time. Yeah. Always. I mean, and I how more, more so more so than anything else yeah what's your process to to picking up a civilian to join in for a conversation uh, i think normally i mean if it's on the street or at a protest or somewhere just like right then hey like you know let's come like what do you think and they just start talking i mean you can tell you can i think you can always kind of eye them out you know because they're they're they look like they're interested you can tell the people who yeah. Sometimes people come up and say like, "Hey, I have something to say," you know, like you, you know, they want to come up. And yeah. and do you find those people are normally often well, good? Stuff, well, that's the thing. Or... Some depends. I mean, sometimes when it's that, it's either like the person who's like really gone off, like the deep end, who's like a bit too far off the rocker, and then sometimes somebody who's like really valid, you know. And you have to measure that, you know. So yeah, difficult. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's a challenge, but it's good to hear that obviously you can pick the right people out. It makes it a lot easier, especially when you're under that time crunch and there's well, a lot going on. 
yeah, they they just have to be coherent, you know, co make a coherent point and and you know it's it's funny because when we were just talking to a uh, like the health minister here, and okay. you can tell he was like really prepared for how to like make all the information and condense it into a good soundbite. Okay. And these people are like practiced in how to work yeah. with the press, and they're like, here's everything you need to know in 15 seconds, boom, you know what I mean? And they'll just yep. get it out. And that is, it's a hard thing to do, but that's why you have okay. like press secretaries and everything else. You know, these people are like, that's what they're trained to do, to get these sound bites that have all the information and that's it, you know, that's all you need. Speaking of um, short bits of information, have you heard of a new, I think it's just an app now, but it's called Quibi. I think it was one of the. Mm, don't think so. It was, it was a is an ad in the Super Bowl, mm. uh, but it was one of those ads that people questioned afterwards. They're like, "What even was that?" But it's take Netflix, Hulu, mm -hmm. but it's short form content. So these TV shows are set to five, ten, fifteen minute episodes, and the whole show is based around those five, ten, or fifteen minute episodes, so that people can watch them on their way to work or interesting or watch a full episode very in, interesting i think that's i think yeah. that's a genius move you know yeah. people aren't watching netflix on their way to work or hulu right. on their way to work right they're binging you know at night yeah but 10, 10 15 minutes yeah yeah i think yeah it's um so i think i think short form content is king with i can't remember the number now but how many miles people scroll on their phones with their thumb each day. Miles, wow, oh my god. I know, I can't. Uh, I'm thinking no. about myself, what number is that? Damn, oh my god. I can't think of, I can't think of the right number now. Yeah. I may be exaggerating that with Miles, but it was it was a ridiculous number. Yeah, I could can, not I'm sure, it, I'm sure it is, I'm sure it is. Um, and the, you know, people want, as you know with, with the news, people want that information in the first few seconds. If they don't get it, they're moving on. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's, Relating it to YouTube, I think I've seen more success in product review videos because you start the video off with what the video is going to be and how it's going to help the viewer. Like, what are they going to learn from this video? Hmm. Um, and I think that that's really helpful for people, for people to be able to know if they're about to invest time into something that's valuable or potentially not valuable. Um, so all the learning curve, it's, it's hard cool. to know what people want. Yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, based on like short form and all that stuff. So where, where do you see what's what's the future and where's all this? Where's everything uh, going? I think just the ability to I think brand having your own brand. So a personal brand, I think, is the future. I, I can't see like there's so many kids growing up on TikTok, growing up on Instagram, YouTube. And seeing so many ways to generate revenue and live the life they want to live, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that corporate America or corporate world is going to disintegrate, but so many more people will want to follow this path because they see the freedom that's involved. Um, but it's if those people have the drive for it. Um, I, I also think people growing up on social media because by nature, no one's going to be posting the the sad and the boring side to content creation. Sure. Right? Who wants to watch it? 
Mm. So when you're on social media, everything's everything's good. Everything is his roses because that's what people like to see. And if people are consuming that on a daily basis, no doubt, they may find themselves in a position where they're thinking, well, shit, <laughs> now I'm in a world where it's not what I thought it was. Why is everything not on a plate for me? Hmm. Um, I'm not I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I have no idea where these kids growing up on social media now are going to be. I just hope that they've got other people around them or they've got the sense to realize that what's on social media is more often than not a false reality. Um, I think it could be dangerous, but I also think it can be incredibly inviting. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, funny that when you first was talking about that, like kids growing up with social media, I was kind of thinking about like how, um, like I was just reading an article about like social credit score and like a Black Mirror episode that came out about that. Yeah. And if in a way, like that's what's going to middle school and high school is like today, maybe, you know? Yeah. Even, oh, for sure. So. Yeah, it's like a popularity. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a sense of it's it's how you can measure it's it's a measure of a person on their mm -hmm. validity um, because they've been able to they have all these people that enjoy something that they create so that's you know let's say you may have some kid who's played football for a an academy team or something and they come into a new school you're going to see them as oh they've got some kind of ability behind them people like them they're good at what they do and I don't see it any different for having a social media following. Awesome. Uh, I mean, I can awesome. Other, it's, yeah. it's a mad place. Perfect. Cool, man. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I love all that. I think um, I already asked you about like one piece of advice um, earlier. And, that, and that's like normally one of my last two speed round last questions. questions. <laughs> but but let, let me let me throw you another one, which is uh, uh, I'll throw it as the last one, which is um, like the best the best thing about about this the best thing about video the best thing about content creation what's uh the best thing for you it's a good question it's full creativity um whatever you're posting on instagram TikTok, youtube i think one of the struggles is i have to post the same content that i post all the time because that's what my followers want mm -hmm. but you'll find as you grow very few of your actual subscribers or your followers are the people seeing your content. It's more often other people. So feel free to experiment, change it up, try something new, see what works, try A-B testing, um, and just give different things a go. Don't be afraid to create something that you enjoy because that's what your platform's for. So I think awesome. there's one cool. word for people is that. Cool. Okay, Oliver, if people want to uh, check you out, where can... Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on TikTok. The, the tag is at odd right, so O-D-D right. It's the same on Instagram too. And then on YouTube, it is Oliver Wright. Uh, but yeah, if you, guys are, if you guys are watching this, yeah, feel free to check out, drop a comment. Let me know where you came from, Danny Bull's podcast. Cool. Okay, right. Oliver Wright. Danny, appreciate it. Great chat.